Welcome back to Practicing Catholic. Patrick Conley, glad to be with you again, along with Kayla Meyer, our producer, and Paul Sadek, our technical producer. On this special episode of the show, we're exploring new laws passed by the 2023 Minnesota Legislature. In our third and final segment, the Catholic Spirit's Rebecca Omastiak asked the Minnesota Catholic Conference's Jason Adkins about the legalization of recreational marijuana, new gun laws, and how to get involved in the legislative process. Our next topic here is uh, the legislature this session passed legislation to legalize adult recreational use of marijuana which MCC's voice concerns over. Now, after the session has ended, from your perspective, what should Catholics in Minnesota focus on regarding this issue? I think some people are still scratching their heads as to why the church would be so opposed to the legalization of marijuana. We've stated in a number of places why that is, but I think it's worthwhile reiterating here, is that oftentimes we think of our activities or the even especially things of vice. Well, it's a private thing. I just do it in the comfort of my home. It doesn't really impact anyone else around me. Well, that's simply not true. We can talk about everything from traffic safety. Now you're seeing stories after this has passed, the media has decided to do its job as reporting and say, oh, well, you know, there's no way to test if someone's uh, impaired when they're driving from marijuana. What should we do about that? Well, that was issue was raised before they legalized it. Groups like the Truckers Association, the Insurance Association, um, they were concerned about this, the impact it would have on traffic safety. We've seen traffic deaths increase and in places such as Colorado where marijuana has been legalized. So just something as basic as traffic safety um, is going to have an impact um, related to this legislation. Mm -hmm. But you think also about we're seeing mental illness, huge amounts of mental illness in young men, especially ages 21 to 30, uh, related to teenage marijuana use. Uh, Access to marijuana among young people expands when you legalize and create a recreational market. So we've just begun to think about the fallout. What is an opportunity here for the church pastorally? Because again, not everything that the church thinks is immoral or prevents us from walking in the fullest way with Christ is illegal and now marijuana being one of those things. But it helps us think about the pastoral dimension of this. And law is a teacher. So we know that marijuana use is going to expand. Allows us to think about alcohol consumption, marijuana consumption. It is per se sinful to purposely inhibit your mental faculties. Now, medicinal marijuana or alcohol consumption in small amounts to take the edge off, these that's a, that's a different story. But when you're either getting drunk to impair your mental faculties or getting high to impair your ma- mental faculties, that is per se sinful. So it allows us to think about the ways in which these inhibit the life of grace in us. They are sinful activities. They are harmful to not just myself, but to people around me. So it's an opportunity for us to think anew about these questions related to whether it's just drugs and alcohol generally. Um, and how do we live as Catholics, live a different way um, while we're surrounded by what increasingly seems like Babylon? <laughs> you know, we have to build Babylon's good without bending to its gods and bending to the allurements of uh, the pagan city, if you will. Pope Francis has been very, very outspoken about uh, marijuana legalization, both in, its, uh, in, the, in the sense that it's a fake social justice initiative um, that it supposedly combats all sorts of historic racial and economic disparities. He's been very vocal about that. That has been a complete illusion in the states that have legalized marijuana. Um, we, can, we can address criminal justice issues without creating a recreational cannabis market. For a DFL caucus that supposedly spent a lot of time putting people over profits. This is one of the worst instances of putting profits over people. 
um, a caving to a, a predatory industry precisely for political calculation, which is to neuter the effect of uh, statewide marijuana parties on elections. And let's just be very frank about that. That's putting this is putting profits and political power over people. It's wrong. Fortunately, MCC was able to get in the bill an impact study. So if, a few years from now, the state is mandated to study about how this has impacted our community. And um, it'll be interesting to see the fallout. We can, we can, we've already seen it in the other states, but now the state will have to at least reckon with what damage has been done by this. And hopefully, like some other states, putting more restrictions and regulations as their industry collapses um, and the fallout is being seen. Hopefully, Minnesota will have a chance through this study to revisit this issue in a couple of years. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Thank you. And moving to our next topic here is signed into state law this session where universal background checks for gun purchases as well as a red flag law allowing law enforcement to intervene when people are at risk of hurting themselves or others with firearms. What additional measures is MCC encouraging when it comes to the issue of public safety? The hallmark of the church's engagement on criminal justice issues is the three R's, restoration, rehabilitation, and responsibility. Um, when people have paid their debts, um, we find that there are collateral, collateral consequences uh, for crimes that inhibit them from getting housing, access to certain forms of employment, rebuilding their life, right? So when you pay your debt to society in which you should, that's the responsibility R. Um, then how do we find ways to reintegrate people into political participation? So one of the things that we supported that passed this year finally, voter restoration, um, giving people the opportunity for positive civic part participation to play a role in society. One of the hallmarks of, hallmarks of Catholic social teaching is part, the call to participation. How can we expect people to model and exhibit good behavior when we isolate them from some of the most very basic things of civic life in society? So if, you, if you're in jail, you don't get to vote. If you're out of jail, even if you're still on paper, probation or parole, then you get to vote. So that's a shift in Minnesota law. The Clean Slate Act allowing for easier and automatic expungements of certain forms of conviction from your criminal record to help, again, access to employment, um, access to housing, things like that. Um, Nonprofit security grant funding, again, because uh, many houses of worship are being targeted, in particular, um, increasingly Muslim and increasingly Catholic houses of worship are being targeted, but also nonprofits such as pregnancy resource centers. But in particular, anti-Semitism is also on the rise. So we stood with our Jewish brothers and sisters seeking a new round of funding for the nonprofit security grant program for those entities that don't get funding at the federal level. They can qualify for state grants. Getting to the gun violence uh, issue, with rights come responsibility. That has been a hallmark of our discussion around guns and gun safety. And so what the uh, background check provision does is expand background checks around the transfer of fire, certain forms of firearms, pistols, certain semi-automatic uh, rifles. And so again, with rights come responsibilities, making sure that people who possess certain forms of guns are able to do so responsibly and consistent with the common good. Um, the red flag law was not something that we explicitly supported this year, although we have in the past. There were concerns, A, about its constitutionality, the breadth in which a broad array of people could seek a gun violence protection order, which would allow the, um, the law enforcement to come in and take one's guns. Um, and so there were concerns about that. The ACLU raised those. Uh, there was, were some legitimate concerns. So we focused this year on the background checks provision, something that we've long supported with regard to certain forms of uh, particularly dangerous firearms that can cause, you know, that are used in mass shootings, for example. 
Mm -hmm. So it's a couple more general questions here. Now that this session has wrapped up, what would you say it means for Catholics in Minnesota and civic engagement going forward? I think a lot of folks believe that politics is just something that other people do. So church calls us to faithful citizenship. We can't have apathy. We can't say that, well, that's politics is someone else's job, or I can't just be content with voting every couple of years and then that, and that, and we're done with it. You know, we have a government allegedly by, of, and for the people, and we need to really double down on the sense we have of our, how our government works, why it relies on civic participation, and why it relies on faithful citizens to be engaged in that process, sharing with legislators about what serves dignity, human dignity, and the common good. You might not like me saying this, but you might not be interested in politics, but politics is interested in you. We've had a lot of conversations already and just here today about how these political decisions are going to impact the life of every single Minnesota, whether it's their tax uh, rates or their tax money to the impact of marijuana legalization to the assaults on the unborn. These are all major concerns. And so Catholics, especially, again, for all the reasons that we've been discussing here today about that unique perspective that upholds human dignity, that supports the common good, we need to be present in public life. The ba most basic thing that we can do is pray. Everyone can pray. We need to be people of prayer. We need to be people of repentance and reparation. And we also need to be people who are sacrificing their time, their talent, and treasure to work for the good of the city. Mm -hmm. And you really did touch on what my next question was going to be, which is sort of how do you start the step of if someone is interested in becoming involved, that discernment of how they might work in policy or in advocacy efforts. So if there's anything else you'd like to add to that particular topic. Rebecca, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Thank you. What we try to do here at Minnesota Catholic Conference through our website, mncatholic.org, is to make it as easy as possible for people to take those first steps. Therefore, we've created the Catholic Advocacy Network. So if you're registered in the Catholic Advocacy Network, um, we, will, we know what di legislative district you're in, and we will send you updates and action alerts about legislation impacting human dignity and the common good at the Capitol. So with a, with a click of the mouse, you can send a message to your legislator that you can even personalize. They rely on their constituents for information about issues, but also how they should think about those issues and what they should do about them. They want to hear from you. They need to hear from you through the Catholic Advocacy Network and mncatholic.org. We make it as easy as possible. So it starts with those first steps, though. You know, often like, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? I don't have to go from zero to 60, which means I don't have to think, oh, I'm not doing anything. Now I'm going to run for office. You don't need to do that. There are so many different things that you can do with you. The bishops call us to faithful citizenship, and they give us the resources um, to do so and the, the place to start. What's your next? You know, I like, you know, we like to say, what's your next thing? You don't have to think about what's your 10th thing down the road. It's what's your, what's that one next thing that you can do to be a faithful citizen? Mm -hmm. And certainly encouraging to know that individual voices can be heard in those important ways. You, you, you'd think that there's tons of people down at the Capitol and they're just overwhelmed by voices in their community. They're not. They're really not. When a legislator gets 10 messages about an issue, he or she is inclined to think that the world is melting. And if they know that if 10 people are writing to them about an issue, 100 people care about it. And 100 people who are angry and motivated in a state legislative race can make the difference. If they're door knocking against you, et cetera, et cetera. So they're very, very sensitive to constituent concerns, but they're only gonna hear about what your concerns are if you're engaged. I get this question, what good does it do? My legislator is a Republican or a Democrat. They just assume that 
because there's an R or D next to their name, they know what they think about an issue. So what good does it do to have to to uh, email a staunch Democrat pro-abortion legislator about an issue? Well, if that staunch Democrat pro-abortion legislator um, or staunch uh, typically immigration restrictionist Republican legislator, um, they might have strong views, but they might have less strong views, for example, if they've got 100 people in their district or the St. Ipsy Dipsy Parish emailing them about this issue. They might be a little less inclined to do the third, fourth, and fifth abortion bills. Maybe they'll do the first abortion bill, but maybe they don't want to do the third, fourth, and fifth one, mm -hmm. for example. You're moving the goalposts in mm -hmm. the conversation. So this idea that, well, my voice doesn't make a difference, it doesn't have any impact, this is totally wrong. This is a, a symptom of apathy that we have to get over and we have to think about incremental change, even with winning hearts and minds. Think of your own self. Do you think exactly the way you do about every issue that you did 10 years ago? Probably not, I know I don't. Um, and so that's part of that incremental conversation to move people in the right direction. Maybe you're challenging them to think in a different way about the issue. I can tell you that from many, many conversations, you can't assume that people have thought about all the angles on a particular issue. 95 times out of 100, they haven't. They haven't. I've heard so many times, oh, that's a really good argument. It doesn't change their mind on the spot, but it makes them rethink the question. And we just have to keep at it. We have to be persistent in the, pol the political and public policy process. The, the 2024 legislative session's already begun. And so Catholics need to be already engaged about what those issues might be. We need to inform ourselves about the issues, uh, form our consciences in the right principles of Catholic social teachings that we can then transform our state. The work of that starts through the resources like the Catholic Advocacy Network at mncatholic.org. Well, great. Thank you so much, Jason, for this conversation, for discussing all these important issues and for your time. It's my pleasure. God bless you and just encourage everyone to keep our staff and our bishops in prayer and prayerfully consider the ways that they can take that next step in their walk of faithful citizenship. A very special thank you to Jason Adkins from the Minnesota Catholic Conference and Rebecca Omostiak from the Catholic Spirit for this informative, real, and hopeful interview. You can share all three segments with family and friends by going to practicingcatholicshow.com or your favorite podcasting platform. <laughs>